Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear up there, all black and brown and covered in hair. One of these days, I'm just going to get you all to say Jamie and Brienne with me. (laughs) Spice it up a bit. (laughs) Okay, so a heads up now. I did not get to review my uh, writing, so um, we might have a few (laughs) flukes here and there. Okay, so um, I'm Lot, Lady of Tarth, hyphen posts on Tumblr. Tonight I'm joined with Eon. Hey, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. Uh, Chicky. Hey, this is Chicky. You can find me at Chickren on Tumblr. Comma. Hi, this is Comma, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And we have guesting with us tonight, the lovely Roseheart. Hi, this is Roseheart, and I'm very happy to be here. Happy Yay. to have you. Yay! Woot. Uh, Yay. We are covering Game of Thrones Season 1, Episode 8. Um, and just a spoiler warning for anybody listening for the first time, we spoil everything. Okay. So that's out of the way. Let's go into the episode. Oh, wait, Lot. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta do a rape trigger warning on this stupid thing. I have it actually written down and I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, there will be rape discussion in this episode as well. So if that's a trigger, you might not want to listen. Okay. Just like every other episode. Yep. Right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Uh, so we begin this uh, episode with Ario and S- Arya and Sirio, and they're practicing while outside Lannister guards are on the attack, um, killing every northerner they come across. Uh, Septa Mordain tries to protect Sansa and tells her to run. And I gotta say, I really love the way that uh, the mm-hmm. actress played this scene, the one that plays mm-hmm. the Septa. I don't know her name, but I, I thought she was quite effectual. No idea her name, but yeah, it's really cool how, like, brave and just kind of somber she was about it. Yeah, she just was, like, just so statuesque, and I don't know, it had a lot of admiration for her in this scene. Well, and and she totally did that sort of authoritative thing where, you know, Sansa, who's been kind of a bratty teenager, immediately is like, okay, this is serious, I have to do whatever she says to do. Yeah. I Can I ask a question? Sure. And this is just my ignorance. Um... Are are the Septas and Septons supposed to be... I mean, like, I know, like, the Maesters are, are supposed to be neutral, like, loyal to the house. Mm-hmm. Do the Septons and Septas have that kind of thing, or are they... Because I, I was really I'm mystified about why she gets killed. I don't quite get why that happens. I, I think it's just a statement. Like, it's... I mean, I, I do think, well, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I do think she's very much part of the house, and it's kind of just a Lannister move to destroy your enemy completely. I think Cersei's yeah. taking a page out of her father's book here. Yeah, I think it's partly just to show how egregious Cersei can be, that she would, you know, kill someone like a Septa. Um, but I mean, as far as, as far as their loyalties, it's hard for us to really know. I mean, we have some indication that, you know, just like... You know, we, we know that the faith is kind of an analog to the Catholic Church in medieval Western Europe, and you know, probably there was some allegiance still to your to your original house and stuff like that. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Okay, 
not neutral like the maesters, I don't think, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we see Marin Trant. Um, he interrupts Ciro and Arya, tells her she must go with him. Uh, Ciro isn't buying it, and neither is Arya. Ciro de- um, decimates four or five Lannister guards and uh, with his wooden sword at that, and then he tells Arya to run. Marin Trant hacks Ciro's sword in half, and Arya bolts. Um, Sansa is running as well, but she runs into the Hound. It's a short little scene. Um, Arya is searching her trunk outside for Needle when the stable boy finds her. He goes to grab her, and she stabs him through the guts. That was a pretty... It was... That scene right there was just pretty cringeworthy to me. Just the the kid that got stabs acting was just... To clarify, it's not the fact that this kid got stabbed. It's his acting that made you cringe. That was horrible. Well, you know, in contrast to him, I thought Macy Williams really brought her A game this whole episode. And I got to find out what that guy's name. The guy who plays Serio. Oh God, was amazing. And I totally get why people want him to still be alive. Yeah. I, I mean, it was yeah. just such an adventure movie kind of feel to it, and yet, oh, yeah, so well, He's good. that Princess Bride character. He's, oh, totally. Thank you, Yeah. <laughs> What's his name? Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya. Yeah, that's who he is. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, this is always a, a standout with Game of Thrones, is that they, they take such care in casting some of these smaller roles, like Serio. So that, you know, they really have the weight that you feel that they have in the books, too. And, yeah, he was amazing. Mm-hmm. Kind of makes you wonder uh, how he would have done in the bear pit with just a wooden sword. Would Serio <laughs> yeah, have survived? Totally. <laughs> totally. And, uh, folks, didn't he kill the um, the guards that came with his wooden sword? Yeah, he killed a, he killed a couple of them. Uh, he, yes. he disabled them all. It was It is Marin Trant, I think, who ends up killing him because he, he dispatches all the other yeah, you know, in the books, the Lannister armor in the books was not as as armored as in the show. They had an open; their helmet was like an open faced helmet, so he was able to actually like stick the sword, that wooden sword, through like some of their eyes and break their noses and stuff. Oh my god! And their armor, their armor wasn't really plated; it was more like leather like. Right. So the he was really able to really. Yeah, he was really able to fuck them up, you know, with one sword. <laughs> you can really sense Eon's fencing passion coming through here, yeah. can't you? <laughs> Eon is our closet fencer. <laughs> one other question. In the mm. in the books, when Arya, does she intentionally kill that boy? I can't remember. Yeah, um, no, I think, I think she does kill him. Yeah, it's, it's almost like an accident the way that they filmed it. Which was interesting. I think she means to kill him in the books. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. Not clear either. Okay. Um, In the next bit, we're looking at Ned. He's locked up in the dungeons. Varys comes to visit him and gives him a drink. Ned asks about his daughters. Varys tells him Sansa is engaged yet to Joffrey and Arya is missing. The rest of his house is dead. Ned asks Varys... um, or, sorry, Ned tells Varys why he told Cersei the truth about Joffrey's birth, and he says that it was for the mercy of the children. Varys tells Ned that it was his mercy that will get that has killed King Robert, and that basically Ned is also a dead man. Before departing, Varys tells Ned that Cat lost Tyrion, and then when Ned asks about who Varys serves, his reply is the realm. Yep. 
Yeah. So one yeah. of the things I noticed is it seems like it seems like Littlefinger gets a lot of flack, and he's pretty much villainized and dislike for you know his kind of scheming and trickery. But Varys, I don't see him getting a whole lot of hate. Why is that? Well, I think it's things like this where it's clear that you know when Varys does really dirty things, it's it's um, I guess in 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 at least the pursuit of a, a higher cause or what he thinks is a better cause. Um, it's not so much for fun or personal gain, like you sometimes feel like it is with Littlefinger. Mm. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, at least on the show, I mean, well, uh, Littlefinger is very much like I'm just gonna keep calling him Snidely Whip Liplash. It's you know he's he <laughs> enjoys screwing people over. He gets pleasure from it. Whereas Show Varus, I think, is more for the most part. He's a practical, bureaucratic guy doing what he's doing to to advance his cause, but I don't think he's a sadist in the way that I think Littlefinger is. Um, I loathe him in the books because he kills... Well, I didn't up until that point, but when he kills (laughs) Kevin, that's it. He's dead to me. (laughs) I mean, I definitely think in the books, Varys has more of an edge, but there's almost kind of a a cool... um, a coolness to Varys where he, he, you know, you can tell there just isn't as much, I don't know, personal grudge involved for him with most things. And, you know, he really does kind of try to let, you know, who he thinks are the good guys off when he can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you see that a little bit with Ned here, you know, where he, you, you kind of get the feeling he really does feel sorry for Ned and you see it a little bit with Tyrion later on too. Yeah. Okay. I'm satisfied. All right. <laughs> Going to Castle Black. Um, there's some dead rangers and they've been brought back. Um, there's no sign of Benjen. Sam identifies that there is no smell, there's no rot. John wants to burn them. Mormont says he wants them examined first. Commander Mormont is then told that a raven has come from King's Landing. Um, in his chambers, he tells John the king is dead and that Ned is charged with treason. Mormont reminds John of his duties and that they lie with the Night's Watch now. Very short yeah. scene. And there was no crow in the background. There was no Commander <laughs> Mormon's crow. Boy, corn. Corn, corn. Corn, corn. Corn theory. Unfortunately, I know what that is now. And Sorry. The action in this episode has got to be taking place, I'm assuming, over months. Because I don't think a bird can just fly, like, I don't know how many hundreds of miles in, like, you know, ten minutes to <laughs> say, hey, it? guess what? Your father's a traitor. Well, um, even... Even in the books, they move faster than you think they possibly could. But, um, but still. yeah, it's definitely weeks, I would say. Yeah, for sure. It's like 3,000 miles, I think, something like that. Yeah, something massive. I mean, time time is definitely moving faster in, this, in season one of the show, just like it does in the first book. So, mm-hmm. yeah, some time is passing most of the time. Okay. Uh, the next bit is Sansa, and she's sitting before Cersei and what remains of the small council, Littlefinger, Pycelle, and Varys. She is told that her father is a traitor. Sansa denies it and asks Cersei to speak to Ned. Pycelle says she's no proper consort for Joffrey, and he gets in a dig and says, who knows what treachery, you know, she'll hatch down the road. 
Sansa claims that she's, she'll be a good queen and that she would never hatch any schemes. Littlefinger says Sansa is innocent. Best to let her prove her loyalty. Cersei asks Sansa to write a letter to Catelyn and Rob, asking Rob to come to King's Landing to swear fealty to Joffrey. Sansa wants to see her father, wants to know what will happen to him. Cersei hands her the quill and says it depends on her brother and on her. That's the end of that. Uh, you just hate to see them manipulating Sansa this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of nice like now looking playing. back on it. Because now you can see where Sansa goes to and she becomes Elaine. So it kind of, it was nice going back and seeing how innocent she was and how she kind of learns from their own game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and she says she's going to be a queen just like Cersei. God help us if that's true, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. I thought it was a good scene. There was the right amount of ooze and the right amount of obvious game playing that they were doing with her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of it was almost like good cop, bad cop mm-hmm. to me. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. You're That's right. a great analogy. <laughs> I almost wish we'd gotten to see the scene where they met, you know, they blocked it all out. Okay, I'm going to say that, then you say that. That's how I I felt yeah. like watching it too. It was so rehearsed and choreographed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's interesting on the show that they drop the scene that you know we hear about in the books, where Sansa actually is the one who tips Cersei off to the fact that Ned is planning some things and, and is oh, yeah. you know yeah. one of the ones who who kind of. I don't know. Tip Cersei off is the only way to put it. Oh my gosh, I mean, could you imagine the, the fan hate yeah, if they had gone that way? Yeah, probably a good move. <laughs> just considering how much people hate Sansa already without that. Oh. <laughs> well, and she would have found out anyways. I don't know that that was... I, I've seen some of the hate she gets for that, and I'm like, like that wasn't already that guy was doomed. There, there's no way that they would have gotten away. Well, it's certainly been. not a good thing that she does. It certainly no. is a minor betrayal of her family. There's no question of that. But yeah, no, it's something that you know you gotta have you gotta have some gotta take her character with some nuance in order to understand that it doesn't make her a terrible person. <laughs> well, and like again, she's in the book. She's supposed to be what eleven or twelve. I mean, you don't have the well. At least I didn't have the best judgment when I was eleven or twelve, and I don't think most teenagers do. But yeah, okay. So no one has anything to add about that before we go on to the next. Good, good. All right. Yep. Rob uh, gets the letter from Sansa uh, that Sansa composed. Uh, he's not pleased. He refuses to kiss Joffrey's ass, as he puts it. And uh, he tells Lewin to call the banners. Theon asks Rob if he's afraid. Rob is shaking, and he says, must be. Theon says, good, that means you're not stupid. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I have a question to put... I, 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 I. This is just something I'm curious about because I'm one of those people who, you know, likes to do the what if. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking this is Rob's only move. It's so funny that you asked us because I've been playing the um, Game of Thrones Telltale. I don't know this. What's this? <laughs> it's like a Telltale game. So you, it's almost like choose your own adventure. You get like multiple choices. And I, I supposedly based on what you pick is going to affect the way your story plays out in the game. Okay. So I actually had that written down. What would you have done, like, Telltale? <laughs> well, because, like, if he goes there, I'm thinking he becomes an instant hostage. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's my yeah. guess, especially with Cersei's paranoia. 
I don't think it's so much Cersei. I think it's Joffrey who they would have had to have been really afraid of. He's the wild card, right? Like he's because the way they played it in the show is Joffrey's the one who chopped Ned's head off, right? Know, but a, well, that's like, the books too. That's true. Yeah. Well, let's say. I mean, but even at that point, before then, because he's still pretty much, he's very new at what's going on. Let's say Rob goes and swears fealty. I mean, I'm thinking that's that's a that's a non-starter. Well, I yeah, can't it's a see, total non-starter. It's I never... can't see them letting him go back to Winterfell. No. No, they wouldn't have. They would have just probably taken him hostage, too, at the minimum. So I, I mean, it was never going to happen. Sort of... I mean... Yeah. You know, it's it's clear that this is never going to happen. And I think Cersei knows it's never going to happen. I mean, she knows that Kat's already kidnapped Tyrion and stuff. It's like, no, they're not going <laughs> to yeah, okay. just come and bend the knee just because you've got Ned yeah. and presumably Arya and Sansa. I mean, you know, in a way, he didn't have a choice. At the same time, you know, when you kind of step back, you're like, oh, my gosh, all these people are going to die just because of, of one guy getting taken prisoner in, in King's Landing, which is ridiculous. But... You know, if you look at it politically, there isn't a lot of option for the North. The North needs to stay relatively autonomous, as autonomous as they are under the banner of the Seven Kingdoms. They have no choice. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Th- yeah, I don't. I don't think he had an, any option. I don't. I don't think going to King's Landing would have been a good idea. No. Okay, Catelyn at the Airy. Lysa um, failed to share the message with her about Rob declaring war, and she is livid. Liza tells Catelyn she should teach Rob patience and then refuses to endanger Robin's life by getting caught up in a war with the Lannisters. Robin wants titty. (laughs) (laughs) Liza sends him off for a bath. Her and Cat argue about going to war. She refuses um, to send her Knights of the Vale to help Rob. I just, I miss her. God, Kate Dickey is good. Yeah, she's so good. good. (laughs) She's just the right amount of, you know kind of peevish and yet you can see that they're sisters and I love the kid who plays Robin is really good. Uh, he's really good too. I do miss the seizures though. I mean I could have used some of that with the <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting. That. Yeah. It's funny that they wrote that out. Yeah, I wonder if they will bring it in or I don't know, it seems like they would have if they were going to. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, yeah. it's a great scene. Great scene between <laughs> between Catelyn and Liza and yeah a really good setup for what you'll eventually see in season four I you can kind of see that they took some cues from this when they moved on to the Sansa and Liza scenes there's a great look on Michelle Fairley's face when um Robin wants titty because he's she's just you know like, <laughs> you can tell she just wants to smack her sister upside the head and go what the fuck are you doing you know, he's like seven Give the kid a steak. Time for an intervention. Time for an intervention. (laughs) She's keeping it back. She's keeping control, which I got to give her props for, because I would have been like, are you out of your mind? (laughs) That's a good rule of thumb. If they can chew their own steak, it's time to get them off the boob. Okay. Uh, Next scene is of uh, Tyrion and Bronn. They're traipsing through the woods. (laughs) Bronn tells him to shut up when he um, he tells him that there's you know hill tribes about, and then he contemplates just killing Tyrion and being off with his gold. Tyrion tells him as long as he's with him, he will have gold and women. And then Bronn tells him, "Don't expect a lord from him every time he takes a shit," which I thought was a great line. That one made me giggle. And he told him, "I'm not your toady." They make camp, and they are found by a hill tribe, just as Bronn was uh, worried about. 
A man named Shag Shaga <laughs> threatens them, asks Tyrion how he'd like to die, and then he replies, "At the age of eighty, in my bed with a woman's cock up around, uh, with a woman's mouth around my cock." <laughs> Tyrion uh, elicits laughter with this line. Uh, Shaga tells them to spare the half man; he can dance for the children. Orders Bronn to be killed. Uh, Tyrion yells, "No!" Promises them better weapons. Shaga cuts him and Tyrion promises Shagan his men the veil as well <laughs> ah, this, this is, is such a great scene. example of how Tyrion you know does that Lannister thing of getting to the bottom of, of what somebody's needs and wants and motives are <laughs> manages yeah. to talk his way out of this just by doing that he's so instantly he's so likable like uh, I don't know anybody who doesn't like Tyrion right I, I well, like him in this scene quite a bit and I love I love Jerome Flynn it, is Bronn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He made me love Bronn. Like, I, yeah. I didn't really care about Bronn in the books, but man, Bronn in the Yeah, show. Bronn is so much less of a standout in the books. I mean, he's getting away more funny, you know, like in Feast and stuff, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jerome Flynn really brings something to the character of Bronn. Right. Well, like the Hill Tribes, they're actually, they were actually in the Eyrie first before... The actual the, the lords of the the Vale were there. They're actually the first men. So they're and like then, the indigenous people. Yes, and then like the lords of the Vale are the Andals. So and Tyrion knows this, so he's actually playing on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed yeah. is that with Tyrion, he does play the Lannister card of having money, but at the same time, it's kind of his knowledge that actually gets him out of it by playing to, like you guys said, to what the um, the mountain clans wanted, which wasn't gold right. at that point. Oh, it was they want their land back, they want their woods back. Yeah, well, they kind of remind me of the Knights of Me from Monty <laughs> Python. <laughs> the costuming, yeah, yeah I hear you. You guys are gonna kill me. I've never, I've never seen Monty Python. Oh come on, Lon. Oh my okay, Lon, we're gonna Lon. wait right oh, here while you go watch. <laughs> All right. Speaking, uh, speaking of an intervention, oh my god, <laughs> this is insane. All right, I'll just go now. I'm getting out. Uh, okay, after this podcast. <laughs> so back at Castle Black, um, John is in the kitchen when Alistair Thorne taunts him about Ned, calling John a traitor's bastard. John goes at him with a knife. Sam yells, no, Pippin Gren hold him back. Mormont um, confines John to quarters for his actions. Um, Ghost is locked up with him, and uh, the wolf starts getting anxious and scratching at the door. John follows Ghost outside and uh, command to Mor- Commander Mormont's chambers. Uh, the door slams behind him, and he is attacked by one of the supposed corpses. John stabs it repeatedly, cuts its hand off, impales it. There's no effect. John grabs Mormont's lantern as he enters and then tosses it at the undead dude. And that's, uh, I guess, our first... No, no that's like not our first. We had, saw them in the episode one. We saw one. them in the premiere. Yeah. yeah. I like... I always enjoy watching Alistair Thorne. He's, this is the first time I really feel like he's a total douche, which is, like, the book guy. <laughs> I don't know. I wrote zombie attack in my notes. That all I had. That was all I had to say. <laughs> I, zombies. Well, it is what it is. I don't know. <laughs> Unless anyone yeah. has any additional thoughts about it, I, I mean, it, next. it it just pretty much is what it is. I mean, you know, John John's uh, beginning of his journey. This is a moment that will 
kind of changed things for him as far as his relationship with Mormont and stuff. So it's important, but there's not much to say about it. It's pretty straightforward. Yep. Right, right. All right, let's go to Essos then. Um, the Dothraki are having a great time. They're warring, they're raping and pillaging. Danny is getting oh a glimpse God. of what her desire for reconquering the Iron Throne has wrought. Um, Khal Drogo is attacking the village to sell slaves for gold to purchase ships so they can sail to Westeros. Daenerys is upset when she sees women being raped, and uh, despite Jorah's reasoning, she orders that he make them stop. Uh, Danny tells Jorah she will claim all the women for herself. Um, Mogo is whining to Drogo. <laughs> yeah, I had to say that line. <laughs> I think it's Mago or Mago. Ma- Isn't it Mogo? I thought it was Mogo. No, it's an A. It's like Mago Mowgli. or Mago. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like, I like Mogo and Drogo. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Mowgli. <laughs> there should be another guy so they could be Mogo, Drogo, and, you know, I don't know. Logo. Dodo. Rigo. So anyway, he's whining to Drogo and, uh, and, you know, Drogo says, tell me the truth. And Danny tells Drogo that she did claim the women and does not wish them to be mounted. She says, let them be taken as wives instead. <laughs> like, that's so much a better fate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, Mowgli says he doesn't take orders from Danny. They go back and forth a bit. Drogo likes her spunk and tells Mowgli to stick his dick somewhere else. Okay. Uh, I gotta say Mowgli a lot, so I'm gonna say... Would you say it was? It's not Mogo, it's what? Mago, it's it's either Mago or, Ma- or Mago. Yeah, it's an A. M-A-G-O is the guy's okay. name. Mago challenges Drogo. Mago draws first blood and quickly after that things go very bad for... Mago. And uh, hooray for Jason Maboa in this oh, scene. Oh, my God. So hot. And he's hot. really not my Damn. type, but I wrote Jason Momoa really hot exclamation point, exclamation <laughs> point, exclamation <laughs> point. That is a man's. That is a man's. I just want to stop thinking, that. though, that, like, this is Jason Momoa, like, on a typical Saturday. Like, he just showed up on set looking like this. Like, this was his five-minute Saturday face. He puts on his mascara and his leather chaps, and this is how he shows up to set. I want to know where he hangs out Saturdays. For me, it was Tuesday. Yeah, a typical Jason Momoa Tuesday. I, yeah, I mean, this is so cool, and it's like he goes full Mortal Kombat, like ripping out the guys. Like, oh my god, that scene was incredible! Yeah. Oh no, I literally yelled at the screen. I was like, "Fatality!" Oh, I want to say that Danny's wig is probably the worst I've seen it so far. Yeah, it was really frizzy looking. It was looking gnarly, and I'm like. Ugh. A big budget show, you'd think they could buy better hair pieces. That's funny you say that, because I was thinking how hot she looked in this, and I was like, are they trying to, like, simulate, like, a pregnancy glow or something? I thought she really looked really good I in thought this she looked fine. Yeah, she I looked had no good. problems with her appearance. It was just the wig. Yeah. Well, wasn't this filmed in Morocco, by chance? I mean, it's probably yeah. really hot in mid, so, I mean, oh, that yeah. might have had yeah. something to do with that... how the wig was looking horrible. It had yeah. that fake very fake look to it where normally it's not quite so bad so and i mean after this season the hair pieces improve enormously they must have gotten more money from hbo or something maybe it's just the end of the season the wig's just been through a lot that's (laughs) it may not be salvageable anymore (laughs) so it's so funny lot that you were bringing up mago's name so much because 
you know, he is one of the characters that George R. R. Martin continually harps on as being a really big mistake that the show made when they killed him. Really? Yeah, oh. he's like he's like, Oh, we'll see Mago again, who I think what is it? He's a blood writer to Oh, I'm gonna mangle the name. Cal Jaco, I think it is, who who Daenerys <laughs> meets on the Dothraki Sea in at the end of Dance, but oh, Yeah, so- no. Hmm. George was really upset about this. This was the beginning of, of some of the fractures, I think, with him and the production crew. <laughs> they killed Mago. If I were in their position of writing the show, I would think this guy is completely disposable, but Okay. He is. <laughs> and you would be right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you couldn't write somebody else if you had to who would be. Yeah, I just don't get yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, okay, let's see what happens after. Uh, oh yeah. So yeah, he he gets his throat slashed open and then his tongue is pulled through it, which was like you said, Mortal Kombat style. Um. So Danny is concerned for Call Drogo when she sees that he's cut, and uh, she has uh, one of the women that she's claimed as her own offers help. Um, She's called a witch. Um, She says she was a healer. Danny begs Drogo to let her heal the wound. That's the end of that. And And so we meet Mary Mazdor. Yeah, she's great, right? She's really good. Great voice. I think that's what sold me on her. Really good, rich voice. I like that. Mm -hmm. She Mm -hmm. definitely has presence. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the next scene is Rob, and he is feasting with his bannermen when Lord Umber causes trouble. He refuses to march behind a glover. Uh, Rob tells him he can do as he likes, but promises that when he's done with the Lannisters, he'll march back north and ruin his house next. Umber gets upset and insults Rob, draws his knife, and then Summer, she ain't having it. She jumps up and takes two of Lord Umber's right? fingers. It's Grey Wind. Oh, yeah, did I say wind. Summer? Sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. that's why your guys are here (laughs) Uh, Rob tells him it's death to bear steel against a liege lord doubtless he only meant to cut his meat for him (laughs) which was a great line I thought um and then this is awesome isn't it great yeah Yeah, and it's it's such a good representation of the book scene too i remember when i saw it it made me really excited i remember thinking that as soon as rob called the banners everything got really exciting and Mm -hmm. and this is a really great scene for that i mean you know it must cost them a lot of money to put this on with all those people there Mm -hmm. and and i mean this is pretty much how it happens in the books it's great they then scale it back but yeah and then he has uh, that line where he holds up his like stumps of a fingers and he's like, your meat is bloody tough. And then dude, they have I this big laugh. I think that's straight from the book. Like I literally yeah. should have looked it up, but I'm pretty sure that is the line. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. They, I, like I said, they had to scale it back. And I read that initially they had planned to show more of um, some of the other Northern Lords, but that they couldn't afford to do that. So they kept it kind of a, freaking lot of them that's why yeah well, like Bruce, I mean, Bruce I think, is there for this in, yes, in the book and, and I think Karstark and Karstark's the there lovers and all that other well, stuff well they mentioned the glovers and the, and the Mormont women too yeah Mage yeah. Mormont Mage Mormont uh, totally gets cut yeah. I would have oh, loved man, some Mormont just... women but no. I think they had planned to do it and then they were just the practicalities of that were so it they whittled it. Happen. They whittled it all down to the Great John, which is not a bad choice, really. No, it's with. good, and it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah, so. it really is. It really is. It, and I think what's, I mean, like you start to get hope 
that really they are going to be able to do this. They're going to be able to go and get the kids and get them back and get Ned. And I mean, we're going to be bitterly <laughs> disappointed, but they're setting us up. They're setting us up so exactly. good in this, aren't they? They're doing such a good job. Those assholes. <laughs> um, so Rob visits Bran in the night. Uh, he tells him that they're marching south and he asks him to look after Rickon. Uh, when Rob leaves, Rickon comes out of the shadows. Poor kid. Richard Madden was really good this episode. I love him. I love him. <laughs> he's hot. He is hot. He's charismatic. He's everything. He's a whole package. Yes. And next scene we have Bran. He's praying beside the weirwood. Osha is still in chains and she comes <laughs> to his side. Says they are her gods too. The old gods can't help Rob in the south, she says, and they have no power there. And wow, lucky us, more full frontal ladies. <laughs> oh wait, and again, it's, it's who do we see? Some. <laughs> oh, this is we have Richard Madden in this episode. We couldn't have seen him naked. No, fucking <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Hodor. <laughs> in a prosthesis, no less. Oh. oh, I heard that. I heard that it was fake. Is it really fake? Yeah, I don't think that actor was going to bear all. I think that's not his. It looks that's like not he... his, that's not his real door knocker. I guess not. Really not. <laughs> Looked like he rolled around in a vat of baby powder before the scene too. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! It, it, it just let that that image simmer in your brain. Yeah. <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> so Bran tells him to go get dressed. <laughs> Osha tells Bran Rob and his men are marching the wrong way. They should be going north. That's the end of that. Uh, at the wall, they are burning the reanimated corpse. Sam says they were touched by white walkers. He read it in a book, and he alludes that there are more coming. See, Cass- this is why you should listen to Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got book smarts. He knows things. No. It's a real short scene. The next one is... <laughs> you guys are going to kill me. I called him Whiskers. Catelyn and Whiskers. <laughs> My God. Roderick of the Bad Castle. <laughs> Roderick Castle. I remembered it for one episode. <laughs> it like totally went away they again. They made today. that up, right? They came to that decision on their own. That's not in the books that he wears his hair like that, is it? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the important. description of Roderick Castle from the books. No, me neither. But it's such a what the fuck face. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm like of all the things you choose to go with you do that <laughs> well it's distinctive you remember who i remember his whiskers it, so. <laughs> it's never his name great beard into a no <laughs> so catelyn and roderick um arrive at rob's army uh in his tent rob is speaking battle plans with his men jamie and his army have fallen back apparently uh catelyn arrives she asks to speak to her son alone and I have to say, the acting in this scene when they first get to see each other and like embrace, it was just uh, oh yeah, it was so really well good. Done. Really good. Well, and a really good example of kind of the the subtlety of of Cat's um, political awareness that she knows she can't you know run up and embrace Rob mm-hmm. as her boy. She needs him to be you know the lord in charge in front of his men, yeah. and it's just a really cool moment. And the way that they played it, it's just so clear what's going on. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, you can just see it in her eyes, that restraint she has, like, oh, so yeah. the recognizing she can't do the motherly thing in front of his men. Like, yeah. Yeah, Michelle Fairley was so good. 
I think it's not insignificant that Martin is the one who wrote this episode. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah, we were... Oh, no, I shouldn't shouldn't tell anyone. We were talking right before podcast. (laughs) No, no, really hold the phone. What? (laughs) And Eon was saying that she had watched one of her watches with the commentary on, and she said it was George. And I was like, oh, did he write this one? I was like, that explains so much about how I like this better than the last couple. All right. Okay, then. If... If he wrote this one, how can he be so mad that that one dude was killed? Um, well, because he gets... Uh, what happens is they do a story outline, basically, for the season. And that is um, Benioff and Weiss. And then Brian Cogman gets in on that, too, I think, nowadays. Um, and basically, what they do is just assign episodes to people. So they've already decided pretty much what's going to happen in an episode. Mm-hmm. And it's just up to the writer to, to write those scenes out. So. And the... Other thing to keep in mind, based on other episode commentaries I've heard with Martin and with um, um, the two douches who run this show. Oh, um, oh Benioff and Weiss. Thank you. Um, <laughs> tell what I think of them. Is that sometimes they move scenes around, too. I don't know if they, they did do. it for this. Uh-huh. But, do. like... You know, the scene, uh, oh, so there might, might be a, a scene it. he wrote that made it into another episode, or they might have taken a scene from another episode and put it into this one. So it's not totally his baby. Right. Yes. So it was like, it was like that in um, the, the third season. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. I remember him talking about that. Like, I didn't write when this. We were like, all... well, we felt it was more effective <laughs> if we, yeah. When we were all so excited because we thought that George wrote the Bear and the Maiden Fair episode, and it turned out he didn't write any of the Jamie and Brienne scenes. <laughs> <in it. laughs> Aww. <laughs> Aww. Okay, well, this is happening. This. Okay, John Umber tells Kat that they will um, shove a sword up Tywin's ass, <laughs> and then it's on to free Ned. And before he leaves... Um, Oh, that's before he leaves. So he's, I don't know, feeling really good about this war, guys. That's looking good for the Starks. They're probably going to win, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they're totally going to win. Yeah. (laughs) So when they're alone, a mother and son embrace. Robin gives Kat the scroll Cersei made Sansa right. Catelyn tells him winning on the battlefield is their only hope. Um, He would never be allowed to leave King's Landing if he knelt to Joffrey. She tells him if they lose, they all die. So, no pressure. She's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next scene. Braun, Tyrion, Shaga, and his tribe arrive at Tyrion, um, sorry, Tywin's army camp. Um, Tyrion leads them to Tywin's tent where he is with Kevin. Yay, Yay. Kevin! <laughs> Kevin <laughs> Lannister! <laughs> I know Kama's excited about that. <laughs> I like Kevin. I we really do. know. <laughs> So Not everyone in the podcast audience does. But I'll know. I like Kevin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, we know. Oh, yeah. I love Kevin, too. Kevin Lannister is a really great character in the books. And- yeah, I like Kevin. See? Mr. Eon likes Kevin. I like who they cast, too. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. actually, he was great. This guy's a good actor. I've seen him in a lot of other things. Uh, what, but I was- do you know his name? Uh, uh, Ian Gelder. I knew you'd know. I knew you'd know, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was trying to... My sister's not really into... She's like, watches a show, but nothing else. And I was trying to explain who Kevin was. She's like, wait, wait, wait. So the one guy, the one brother's named Tywin, and the other one's Kevin. <laughs> it's, it's not yes. similar to Tyrion and Jamie. Like, right? how are those two people from the same parents? If you actually... The Lannister names are all very, like... You know, like... 
Yeah. I don't know what George was thinking yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they spell it differently, and I know it's a proud old Irish, you know, name of going back hundreds of years, but still, it's very... Yeah, I don't get it either. <laughs> uh, so Tyrion introduces Shaga, Timit, Cello, and Bronn to his father. Tyrion tells Tywin it was kind of him to go to war for him. Kevin and Tywin brag of Jamie's winds in the Riverlands and how he slays siege to River Run. Uh, Tyrion also learns Ned is prisoner and that King Robert is dead. Joffrey is king. Tywin I love. Is, you know what oh, I love in this scene is the introduction scene where Tyrion introduces everybody to Tywin. <laughs> I think this awesome. is like I mean, this is like one of Jerome Flynn's best moments. Yes, he's introducing everybody as you know, like this is Timot, son, son of Timot, and all that sort of thing, and then he gets to Bronn, <laughs> and Bronn's like, "You wouldn't know him when they explain <laughs> to his fathers." I just love it. It was just really well played. I liked because this is the one scene I've seen obsessively many times. Um, <laughs> of course you have. You know, <laughs> scenes obsessively many times. And the, but I like how they play it, because, you know, he's sort of taking the measure of each person. They get to Bronn, who makes that remark, and of course Tywin hates jokes, so he's looking like, oh god, you know, this asshole. <laughs> and um, Kevin's kind of trying to hide a chuckle, because he thinks it's funny, and he has a sense of humor, and it was just, it was nicely done, and I also like the bit with, um, Tyrion keeps trying to reach for the wine. Yes! Yeah, yeah. Yes! Thing <laughs> Tywin's trying to keep him sober. Yeah, no, I love this. I often think it's these it's a few of these little moments, especially like in this episode, that I'm pretty sure got Jerome Flynn the bigger part for Braun that he has in the show. I think, yeah. you know, he's a fan favorite and and little things like this just make him stand out for people. Yeah. Um so uh Tywin is convinced that one taste of real battle and Rob Stark will run back to Winterfell. Tyrion tells his father his promises to Shaga and the Hill tribe, he asks for weapons. Um, at this point, a soldier interrupts them, um, and he announces that the Northmen have crossed the neck. Tywin is pleased by the news. Shaga is promised more weapons if he rides with his army. I love that Adam Marbrand gets a name drop. Yes, shout out to Adam. Yes, I noticed that. But did yeah. you do you know who the actor is that plays him? Because I don't know if it's in um, a previous episode or one that's coming up, but he's played by this actor who was, I think, like, 65 and graying and he's just not like the ginger god that i imagine in my head that adam marvin was no 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 (laughs) i I think he's in fire and blood and he's in one of the councils i saw a picture of him and i had to look up the actor who plays him um and yeah he's a 65 year old i think he's irish no he's supposed to be like jamie's childhood friend yeah yeah of course, he's, he's got to be hot, right? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I also love that they included, well, when I say they, now I know it's George. This is so funny. I, I should have looked up who wrote this episode. I don't know why I didn't think of it. But um, that they included the thing where Tywin tricks the, the Hill Tribe people, guys, into fighting with him so that he can maybe get out of paying them. I love that they threw that in. <laughs> well, I think we, I should have noticed, too, and I'm like, hey, this is a really good episode. It should have occurred to me that it was not written by the douchebags, that it was written by, I'm sorry, I've gotten really bitter on um, I don't call them douchebags. I think they're just ignorant. Or, or yeah, people. well, I'm so, I'm stupid so hair and no hair is how guile subterfuge calls. Comma, put your claws away, girl. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, it's just a really good scene. Yeah. Uh, Shaga agrees um, that he'll, you know, help 
Tywin, but he wants to hold on to Tyrion until he's paid, and Tywin seems very pleased with that. <laughs> um, so back at the Stark camp, they are plotting their next moves. Um, they need to cross at the Twins. They'll need permission from Lord Frey. Um, they are interrupted by a prisoner being brought in a scout for the Lannisters. Rob silences his bannermen and his mother when they object to him letting the scout go. Uh, Rob tells the scout, Tell Tywin Lannister winter is coming for him. 20,000 northerners marching south to find out if he really shits gold. <laughs> John Umber calls him boy and asks if he's been if he's touched. Rob threatens him. So this was, I thought, well done as well. It was a nice way for them to establish who Walder Frey is. Yes. And also that Rob is actually very good at the war part. Maybe yeah, not so much political, uh, politic, the political part, but the the tactics and stuff. He's not. He's got a, a gift for it. Yeah, he's a natural. It's really right. showing. He's got some natural abilities. Well, uh, did he let go um, the the scout because of the number issue? Because I remember in a previous scene, he had told Cat that maybe he had eighteen thousand men, 18. and the scout had counted twenty thousand or more. And I wasn't sure if that was the reason why he let it go, if he was hoping to kind of confuse the Lannisters by making them think that he had more men than he had. Well, That's a, that is it. That's is it. Okay. Also letting yeah. them know the wrong target. Right. Oh. Because he's, well, we do say we spoil everything, so I'm going to go ahead and spoil the next episode. He says to them that the, the 20,000 men are coming for Tywin. So at this point, right. the Lannister army is pretty much, I think, well, in the books, it's probably split more, but here it's split between Jamie and Tywin. Mm-hmm. So he's giving the scout this information. The scout goes back and tells Tywin they're, you know, to prepare for this mass invasion. And what happens is Jamie sacri- or I'm sorry, Jamie Rob like sends two thousand of his men towards Tywin, and then eighteen at Jamie. Isn't that 2,000 of his men? Isn't that some of um, Roose Bolton's men, too? Yeah, and I think, because I actually paid attention in my reread in the book. See, in this episode, you know, they're fighting about who's going to be in the vanguard. Mm -hmm. In the book, Mm -hmm. I think it's the Battle of the Green Fork. I could be wrong on this. But basically, Rob and Catelyn decide they need to send somebody with cunning. So they send Roose, which turns out to be a mistake, because Roose basically... (laughs) arranges for three of his immediate neighbors to die or get captured, (laughs) thus improving his position back home. But he knows. They know they're being sent with these 2,000 men, basically to sort of, you know, confuse... It's a decoy. It's a decoy. I love that you knew all that stuff. That's great. (laughs) That was great. Uh, okay, next. Oh, well, this scene's super short. It's just poor Ned. He gets kicked awake by a guard, and that's it. Oh, dude, I noticed this on my rewatch. What? What, what? is this scene there for? Why does it even exist? <laughs> I don't know. Just right? a reminder that Ned's still around? I don't I know. Still I'm just like, wait, wait, what was that? Is this important? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I was paying attention. I was like, oh, did I forget this the last time I watched? And no, nothing happened. It's just Ned getting kind of kicked by somebody and that's it. <laughs> oh, we Let never me- see again. Let me tell you, if you when you're like writing all these scenes down, you really notice the short scenes. This has got to be the shortest. <laughs> yeah, because I was trying to wa- write everything down and I think I missed like three scenes in there. 
Is this an editing mistake or what? (laughs) I wish they would do that in like the fourth and fifth season and just cut to like Gendry rowing and then just cut back. (laughs) (laughs) Gendry arrives in what is now known as America. You know. (laughs) Oh God! Don't get me started on that. Okay. Uh, Next scene. Uh, Sansa is in the Red Keep. we hear that Jonas Slint is being promoted to Lord and given Harrenhal, was it? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. can I just say that is a mighty big prize. I didn't quite realize it at the time. Yeah. But now I'm like, isn't that like the Lord Paramount of the Riverlands? Not or not I- at this point, but but it was a big prize. Harrenhal's a big prize regardless. I mean, it's a pig and a poke because it's like cursed. 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 It's not even that. It's just this, nice, this nice ginormous castle that you cannot possibly <laughs> ma- maintain. Yeah. But it seems like for him be trying. I mean, did he really strive that hard a bargain, or was Cersei just like, yeah, give him hair and all? I- well, I think because it's cursed, it wasn't much of a gift. I mean, what is it? They they what happened? The Wints. The Wints go early in in the War of the Five Kings. I can't remember what the thing is, There's but Harren Hall, Harren Hall's she an basically easy... surrenders or runs away or yeah. whatever. It was an easy thing to throw away for Cersei, I'm sure, so she just didn't care. Yeah. Um, so uh, we also learned Tywin has been named Hand. Um, Cersei rises and calls upon Ser Barristan. She tells him he's served well, but it is now time to rest. Barristan objects and says that only death may relieve him of his duties. Cersei tells him Jamie will take his place. Barristan gets some digs in on Jamie at this point, and then Cersei cuts him off. Varys tells Barristan he has a great pension plan, basically. <laughs> Barristan is pissed. He tells he them he's great. going to die a night and starts to remove his armor, and then Littlefinger makes this uh, joke where he says, die a naked night. Barristan draws his sword, tells the other king's guards he could cut all through them all like a cake. Um, basically, he's in take this job and shove it mode. <laughs> he tosses the sword to the floor, tells Joffrey to melt it down and add it to the others. <laughs> it was a good scene, and Ian McElhenney mm-hmm. really sold it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love the scene. I also liked. It's a small thing, but I liked when Sansa because it starts from like her perspective as she's coming into the courtroom. You see how people are just sort of like shunning her because she's no longer in favor. Yeah, it's subtle, and she's but it's like done well. picking up very quickly. I am. This is bad, you know. And she's mm-hmm. hurt by it, but she's getting the sense that her position is quite precarious. Mm-hmm. But he's really good. I like Cersei's line too. That she um, when she talked about how sorry Barristan was talking about how his um, his position was until death, and she asked whose death is it yours or your king's and i really liked that because i thought it was pretty smart on her part i mean she's not wrong yeah yeah except she's the one who arranged <laughs> well, no, but... well and this is how she thinks we'll get so she promotes her family that's how she operates and it's i mean yeah it's well, she does whatever her, the fuck she wants. That's how she's. And it's like the kind of move <laughs> that will bite her in the ass because he's does. going off and he's going to, you know, align with Danny. And eventually, if Danny ever gets to Westeros, Which you know, she will. <laughs> Let's face it; it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so glum. <laughs> Resignation. <One day. clears throat> yep. 
So uh, Sansa asks for a word. She kneels and asks mercy for her father. She pleads, um, claiming someone must have lied to Ned. She even throws Renly and Stannis under the bus at one point. <laughs> Sansa claims that Ned was um, doped up on milk of the poppy. Uh, Joffrey demands a confession and wants to hear Ned say he is the king, or there will be no mercy for him. And Sansa says he will, and that's the end. Mm. I like this episode. Like, Me too. Yeah. You I know like what I liked in this last scene is the costuming. I loved Cersei's dress, and I loved uh, Sansa's dress too. Were, I that was really... everything was on the money. Well, at yeah. least in that scene, except Danny's wig. Well, <laughs> 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 and Roderick sells bizarre hair, but that but it works. Like us. you remember the dude. It's. <laughs> I think it's a good device. I mean, like except you remember that him because it's crazy. To be this, like you know. <laughs> He's he's supposed to be more, you know, the stronger character and, you know, the the castle and all this other stuff. And to me, he just becomes the guy who decided to braid his mutton chops and I (laughs) tie them in a bow. It's a little goofy. (laughs) A little goofy. And those kinds of things take me out. And I I just find myself wondering, like, seriously, they couldn't have done a better job on Danny's wig. You know, and then I'm not thinking about the scene. That's my problem with this. It takes you out. Yeah. I guess I can see. I love what Tywin and Kevin were wearing in that one scene with uh, Tyrion. All that leather. They did. Yeah. I got to say the Lannisters of all the the people in Westeros, they got the best fashion. (laughs) Not not enough gold, though. They really need to wear more gold. (laughs) Yeah. In the books, it's much more, what was it, Versace gold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, they're new money, which I love that they kind of do that. Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, let's, um, that's the end of it. So we could, did we get any questions? Anyone know? Did anyone check on that? <laughs> I don't think we, don't we did any get any questions. question questions, no. Okay, how about some thank yous? Any of those? We do have some thank yous, though. Mm. Are they from YD? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing from YD! <laughs> yeah. um, we have one from Gall and Subterfuse that says, Thanks for another great episode, ladies. As you probably know, I'm generally much more positive toward the show than most of the Close the Door regulars. But what I appreciate about you guys is that you back up your opinions with solid reasoning. Sometimes you even change my mind. Oh. I also appreciate that you don't fall into the same fuck D&D stuff. Uh-oh. And you, at least <laughs> you at least consider the idea that show decisions are for the adaptation, cost, character, interpretation, etc. Or that show decisions are simply regrettable mistakes rather than simple than simply as an insidious plan by two evil men, one with no hair and the other with magnificent hair to destroy all we hold dear. Gall and Sorry. <laughs> Kyle, my opinions do not represent those of the people on the podcast. <laughs> I, I can uh, second that. <laughs> Are we corrupting GS on Danny? That's my hope. <laughs> I don't think that can be done. I don't think no. that's possible. I don't think, so. I don't think it's Damn. possible either. Well, Guile, I have a question for you. What have we changed your opinions on? That's my question. <laughs> Probably wigs. Probably the wigs. In Probably the one. wigs, yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll let Guile answer. <laughs> <laughs> our, our next comment is from Joyous Foley's, and she says, "Episode forty, the podcast is officially over the hill. Congrats! Thanks for another funny and enlightening episode. 
By the way, I will totally listen to your upcoming The Wire podcast. Dude, <laughs> I'm so I'm so for that podcast. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've never seen the show, but I hear it's there's awesome. a certain somebody who's really good at it. And as Lot said, I hope this podcast goes on forever and ever. Love you all. Side note, when Kama said trouble, when she was fangirling over Stannis, I got the song... You got trouble from the music man stuck in my head. Thanks. <laughs> I've never seen the music man or Monty Python. I've no fucking clue that's not reference. <laughs> I want everyone to know at home that we're making a list of things that Lot needs to watch before the next. You week. need to have a podcast just of like Lot introduces to the world. <sighs> yeah, yeah. So the Wire, Monty Python, and the Music Man. What a weird mix. <laughs> Uh, so we're over the hill. Our podcast is over the hill. Does this mean we get to have affairs with other podcasts and buy sports cars? Oh my god! Aren't we already podcast of a certain age? <laughs> yeah, Wednesday nights I do this other podcast. No, <laughs> no, definitely not. Okay, we is have, that it? We have one more. Oh, I know what this one is. Yay! And it's from a very, oh, a very special commenter. This is Jody, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Our very own Jody Candy Licker. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, on with it. We're waiting. <laughs> Eon, 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 are you loosening your shoulders up right now? Are you rolling? I'm them? loosening. I'm loosening my shoulders <laughs> up right now. Are you waggling your tongue, getting it nice and limber? It's it's getting limber. <laughs> Dirty. Twenty five nine. Okay. Uh, uh, uh. okay. Jody Candy Licker says, "Ladies." It's been too long. That's right. I said long. <laughs> Since Jody told me how much he loves you all. Jody thinks the human body is a beautiful piece of art. Jody is a connoisseur of fine art. And if Game of Thrones isn't arty enough for you ladies, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. <laughs> Then Jody wants you to know that his museum is always open. Twenty-five nine. Uh uh uh. Oh God, I feel so uncomfortable oh, right now. It's classic. It's a classic. <laughs> Jody uh, got no job. I take it. I take it. This is in response to the brothel scene last episode, Jody. <laughs> oh God. I um. D- thank you, Jody. Thank you. No, thank you, Jody. I need to go take a shower now. Uh, I'm never going to think about museums the same way. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you would like to send us a message, you can through our email at closethedoorand at gmail.com. Um, you can reach us at closethedoorandcomehere.tumblr.com. Um, we're also on Twitter. Uh, is it Door Podcast? Is that right? Doorcast. Uh, Doorcast. Dorcast. I don't know what the other one is, but you can follow them too if you want. And uh, like, <laughs> review us on iTunes, pretty please. And thank you, Rose Hart, for guesting yes, tonight. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank you, Rose. Always happy to have you back. Yep, anytime. All right, and thank you, panel. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for moderating a lot. Yes. Anytime, yes. except for the next two weeks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. Peace out. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Bye.